Turn with me to three openings, please, this evening. Three openings in the uh, gospel accounts. Matthew 9. We'll go then to Luke 8. And then wind up in Mark 5. Matthew 9. Luke 8. Mark 5. If you've been here on the uh, Friday nights for the past several weeks, you know that we have been ministering on healing. The title of the series is Receiving and Ministering Healing. And we've been studying one by one the individual accounts of healing in the ministry of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John record about 19, and I say about because it depends on what you count and what you don't count. Because uh, if you count people delivered of spirits, it would be more than that. A dead raised would be more than that. But we're, we're limiting it to just physical healing with the occasion where there was healing and raised from the dead. We include those. But about 19 of these, it seems like more because uh, Mark and John and Luke record the same one that Mark does and then vice versa. And you, you find three different occasions of the same healing. But many places where it says that multitudes were healed. But where it says who they were, what was wrong with them, what they said, what Jesus said, how he ministered to them, how they received. Only about 19 of those. And we begin, <clears throat> let me review a little bit. Y'all know I like to review. We talked about, I believe the first one was the healing of the leper. And then we talked about the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. Then we talked about the healing of the paralytic, the man born by four. Then we talked about the healing of the nobleman's son. Then we talked about the man with the withered hand. And then last week we talked about the healing of the centurion servant. We're going to look tonight at the healing of Jairus' daughter. The healing of Jairus' daughter. That's recorded in Matthew 9, Luke 8, Mark 5. We'll do it in that order because I want us to wind up in Mark 5. So Matthew 9, Matthew 9, if you would go there. And let's pray and release our faith tonight. I believe people can be healed right here, right now, tonight. We're going to read these accounts of this healing But we're not just going to marvel at how wonderful it would have been to be back in the day of Jesus. And we're not just going to marvel at the interesting historical account. We're going to remind ourselves that this is who we serve today. And that he's here right now. And what he did there then, he'll do here now. What he did for this person, he'll do for you and for me. He's no respecter of persons. How many believe he is the great I am? Not I was, not I used to be. But you know, a lot of people have endeavored to turn the I am into the I was. Do you know that there are whole religious groups that'll tell you that he used to heal, but he doesn't anymore? That he used to fill with the Spirit, but he doesn't anymore. He used to answer prayer for material things, but he doesn't anymore. Well, they just got through saying the I am was. Nobody has the right to say that. 
the I am is. He is the Lord who heals thee. Isn't he? Jehovah Rapha. He is. Not not was. Everybody say is. He is the Lord my physician. The Lord who not not was. Don't, Don't come try to tell us he was. Used to be but it's passed away. When the last apostle died all that ceased. Said who? Where's that at in the Bible? No, no. The I am is The I am, the I am is. The I am does. The I am didn't heal, used to. He heals uh, today, meets needs now, in Faith Life Church, on Friday night, in the summertime. He heals people in this place. Somebody said, well, that's very bold, brother. That's the only way you get anything from God. You got to believe. You got to expect. You can't say, well, we hope so. But you just never know, Brother Keith. You just never know. No, you never know and you never receive. But you get to the place where you're confident of the Bible says is true and it belongs to you now. You'll begin to see changes in your life. How many lift up your hand and say, I know he answers prayers today. I know he'll help you pay your bills today. Come on now. I know he'll get you out of debt. Anybody testify? Have you seen it? Do you know? I know. I know he'll heal your body. Your physical body. Lift up your hand if you know it. And you say, yeah, I know it. Look at that. Hands all over this place. We are not alone. Glory to God. Well, let's talk about it. Because we can be excited reading this. Because we know what he did right here. He will do tonight. We can know it of of a fact. Matthew 9. Let's pray. We'll begin reading in verse 18 then. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and faithfulness. What a good, good God you are. You've healed us so many times. We know of so many others you've healed. So faithful. We do not believe the erroneous teachings that healing and miracles have passed away. We don't believe that. We don't believe it's just all up to you because you told us that our faith would make us whole. So we know that you put responsibility in our hands and our hearts. So Lord, give everybody here tonight, everybody that will hear these tapes and by any other medium, ears to hear, eyes that see and hearts that are open and receptive. Let the word come in strong, push out doubt and fear and unbelief. And cause faith to be strong enough to rise up and receive what you have for us tonight. Everybody hurting in this place. We don't believe it's your will for them to continue to hurt. And we're inviting you by your Holy Spirit. And by your holy angels. By your healing anointing to move through this people tonight. Move through this room tonight. Manifest your presence. And let healing be manifest. And pain leave. And growths disappear. And diseases fade away to the glory of your holy name. Let it be even so in Jesus' name. And we'll give you all the glory. We'll give you all the praise. And tell everybody you did it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Matthew 9. Matthew nine eighteen. Now coupled with this is the story of the healing 
of the woman with the issue of blood. We're going to save her for another night. So we'll read the first part, skip that passage, and then read the rest. Matthew 9 and 18. While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay your hand upon her, and she, what? Do you hear how positive that is? No, no maybes and mites and will sees, not even any if it be thy wills. Right. Notice how conspicuous they are for their absence. Somebody yes. says, well, Jesus taught us to pray that way. Not about healing, he didn't. No. no. Jesus prayed that way in the garden, didn't he? Yeah. Not my will, but thy will be done. And when you're talking about consecrating to doing the will that God has called you to do, His plan for your life, you need to. You should be ready to say, Lord, if you want me to go to China, I'll go. If you want me to stay in Branson, I'll stay. Not my will, but yours be done. And you pray that, not just one day, but you pray that all your life. But they weren't having a healing meeting in the garden. Is that right? See, there are different kinds of praying. And you don't pray all prayer by the same rules, if you will. They weren't praying for the sick in the garden. And so people have really made a a huge mistake by tagging the faith-destroying phrase when it comes to a prayer of faith, if it be thy will, on every prayer for healing. No, you don't pray that way. It'd be just as scriptural to pray if somebody was lost. And they came down to the altar, and you taught them to pray, Now, Lord, save me, if it be thy will. If not, then thy will be done. Why well, don't teach people to pray that way about being born again? If it's right to pray that way about everything. Do you see what we're saying? No, it's not right to pray that way about everything. Things that the Word of God have revealed to us, the Scripture plainly tells us. It's not His will that any should perish. Right? It's his will for all to be saved. So then you don't pray for people to be born again within if it be thy will. And if you'll study the scriptures, you'll find that he's revealed that it is his will for us to be healed too. So you don't pray if it be thy will to be healed. And I hope you don't persist in praying that because you'll not be able to get in faith praying that way. You must dispense with that if you're going to get in faith. So notice how positive. He said, uh, come and lay your hand on her, and what will happen? See, faith will tell you ahead of time what's going to happen. I said, faith will tell you ahead of time. What's going to happen? We're going to pay this thing off. What's going to happen? We're going to get a new house. What's going to happen? We're going to give this to the missionaries, going to give this amount. Might not even have it in the bank, but if you got it in your heart, then you begin to say, this is what's going to happen. We shall do this. How many can prophesy and say, I'm coming out of debt? Are you? Coming out of debt? And I'm coming up. And we're going to give more. And have more. And do more for God than ever before. Well, now you just never know what's going to. No, we shall. We shall. You see how positive. He said, come lay your hands on her and she shall live. Jesus arose and followed him. 
so did his disciples. Now skip down to, uh, what is it, 23, right? 23. When Jesus came into the ruler's house, and he saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said to them, well, I can't pass that up. Everybody say, people making a noise. <laughs> I may know that folk making the most noise are not, not always the ones in faith. Hmm? Hooping and hollering and carrying on. I mean, you can be waving your arms and spitting cotton. That don't mean you're in faith. Huh? <laughs> faith is not just about how loud you can get, how much noise you can make. Faith is of the heart. With the heart, man believes. So they're making a noise. He said to them, give place. The maid's not dead, but sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. And the fame thereof went abroad into all that land. Thank you, Lord. Go to uh, Luke's account, please. Luke 8. Luke the 8th chapter. And 41. Luke 8, 41. How many believe this happened just like we read it here? Can it happen again? Absolutely. Is, is God alive? Is he still the same as he's always been? Then why couldn't it happen again? Luke 8 and 41. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age. Now again, Dr. Luke will give you detail that the others didn't give. He tells you how old she was and that she was his only, one and only daughter. I like reading Dr. Luke. And he said, uh, well, it was the Holy Ghost through Luke, you see. But, you know, the Holy Ghost uses your personality. The sanctified parts of it, that is. He does. You know, uh, you're going to be you throughout eternity. Hmm? Yeah, you are. Now, you're going to be more like Jesus. You're going to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. But you're, you're not going to lose your identity. And I'm not going to lose mine. We're not going to meld into this singular cosmic consciousness. And lose our identity. That's all error and cultish stuff. It's not true it's not bible somebody said will we, will we know one another in heaven well do you know one another down here because that's the same folk that's going to be there and they're not going to change into an angel that'd be a demotion and they're not going to change into somebody else or something else they will be them improved glorified amen them magnified and multiplied by i don't know how much in Christ. But God made us each unique. Because he wanted to manifest. You know there, there is a part of him. That comes through us. Uh, distinctly and better than anybody else in, in the world. A part of him. And you, when you see all of us. You see him. I don't know if I'm expressing that properly or not. 
But there's some things about his nature and his personality that come through certain vessels the most distinctly above others. That's why he'll use certain ones to do certain things. And we need to recognize that we're just a part, a member of the body of Christ. We're not the whole body of Christ. And God doesn't have to use us to do and say everything. And if we would develop like we should, then as things are happening, we'd stop in the middle and go, oh, oh, no, no. Brother so-and-so ought to do that because, I mean, that's, that's his grace. He shines over. I'll let, let sister so-and-so say that because God says that in a different way through her. Amen. You know, you know what I'm, we, we say, boy, that's their area. Well, their grace. God in them. If it's something that we're enamored with and go, wow, that is wonderful. We're seeing a facet of God's infinite being and character through them. And you put us all together, you begin to see all the multifaceted wonder and splendor of God. Keep reading. They were all waiting for him. In 41, ruler of the synagogue, fell down at Jesus' feet, besought him he would come to his house. And what did Jesus do? We already read it. He left and came to the house. For he had one only daughter, 12 years of age. She lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. Now skip down to 49. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered and said, Fear not, believe only, and she what? Well, that's what Jairus said, wasn't it? Hmm? Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? She shall be made whole. I'm gonna, I want to make a statement. I want you to think about it. If you say what God says, he will do what you say. Huh? If you say what God said over you and over your life, if you let it come through your mouth and you say it, it gives him a legal right to do what you said. Now, he's not obligated to do everything you say. You can say some stuff that's goofy. But did you hear what I said? If you say what he said, he will do what you say. You can see that right here, can't you? Jairus, what did he say? If you'll come and lay your hand on her, she shall live. She'll live. She'll be all right. Next thing we hear Jesus saying, she'll be whole. Shall be whole, shall live. Why? He has a legal right to say it and do it because this man in the earth believes him and gives him his words to work with. People have uh, made statements that aren't correct if you say them that way and, and, and eliminate other truths. They say, well, God's God. He can do anything he wants to, anytime he wants to. It don't make any difference what men think or what men want or what men believe. God is God. He can do anything he wants to in a man's life. I disagree. I disagree. Don't you believe God is almighty? I do. Well, then he can do anything he wants to in a man's life. Not according to his word. Don't you understand that the most important thing of all is for everybody on this planet to be born again? Amen. 
and to miss hell? Don't you know there's nothing that compares with that? How many believe that is his will? Is that the will of God forever? Then why doesn't he make everybody get saved? If he's God, he can do anything he wants to. It's his will. Why doesn't he do it? That's not how he set it up. He's given man a free will. Man must believe him. Must give him his faith. Give him his words. If you'll confess with your mouth. The Lord Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart. God's raised him from the dead. Now God's got a legal right. To come into you and change your insides. Hmm? If you don't. He doesn't. Yeah he has the power to do it. But he's not going to override your will. He's not going to go contrary to how he set it up in his word. So he he does require something of us in order for him to have a legal right to work in our life. There's all kind of things that God wants to do for us, desires to do for us, maybe I should say. But uh, he must have our cooperation. We must agree with him. You know, confession means saying the same thing. We believe in confession around here. I think you know that. Right? You believe in confession? Have you found out that it's important? Well, you look up the word in the New Testament and you find it literally means saying the same thing. This goes back to what we just got through saying. If you'll say what he said, he'll do what you say. What if he said that he'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? If he said that, what is confession? That's me agreeing with him, right? I say, okay, you said you'd supply all my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm agreeing with you. Amen. I'm believing you're big enough to do it, and I believe you can do it. I believe you're not a liar. You'll do what you told me you'd do. So I'm saying, you will supply all my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. You're saying what he said. Amen. You're agreeing with him. Amen. He has a legal right to perform the words you spoke Amen. and to supply all your needs. But if you're saying all this, well, you just never know. and Whatever the Lord wants, maybe it's not his. Maybe he wants me to be poor and, and he's working out something in it and we just don't understand. And you just never know. <laughs> Did he say you just never know? No. Can you find that in the Bible no. that he said, well, concerning you, you just never know. Then you're in disagreement with him. Keep reading. He said, fear not. Everybody say, fear not. Fear not, not, believe only, and she shall, she shall. You hear how faith talks? Shall be made whole. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John and the father and mother of the maiden, and all wept and bewailed her. But he said, weep not. She's not dead, but sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. And he put them all out. (laughs) Everybody say, he put them all out. Say it again. He put them, uh, read it right out of the Bible. Now verse 54, verse 54 says, and he put them all out. I want you to say it with me three times. He put them all out. Again, he put them all out. Out. Now let me just stop. There was family there too, you know. There was Aunt Minnie and Uncle Bob. And there were ministers from the church they went to. 
Huh? And people that had visited them. Huh? And people that had brought chicken soup. And banana cake. And grandma was there. Did you hear me? And what did he do? How many of them? (laughs) Come on, tell me one more time. He put them all out. Put them all out. Would it be true today that sometimes you need to put them all out? Hmm? And I say, that's why we're we're doing this study because nobody has ever come up with a better and a more successful way of ministering to the sick than Jesus. Right? You can't improve on this. If you want to get results, you have to do it the way he did it. And so we're reminding ourselves of how he did it. On this occasion, he cleared the house, buddy. They started laughing at him. And he wasn't laughing. He said, out. Hit the door. I don't mean, no, I'm serious. Hit the door. You too. Yeah, I ain't many. You too. I know Reverend so-and-so, but you too. Yeah, out. Every one of you. Everybody out. Didn't he? Cleared the place. Then he took her by the hand and he called and said, Maid, get up. Arise. He's talking to a dead body. Hmm? And I said, are we sure she was dead? Absolutely. I'll show you in a minute why we're so sure. But yeah, no question about it. She's dead. Not near dead. Dead. He's talking to a dead body and more. And her what? Spirit. Came again. That's one way you know she's dead. She'd left. She wasn't there. But her spirit came back into her body. And she got up immediately. She rose straightway and he commanded to give her food. And her parents were astonished. And he charged them they should tell no man what was done. Now that was probably hard for them to do. But he was serious about it. He said, don't tell anybody this. Let the Lord do what he wants to with the miracles and testimonies in your life. Some things he wants told and published. Others he does not. And follow the leading of the Lord about things. There's been times in my life I was, you know, when something great happens for you, you want to tell somebody. You want to run and tell your family. Hey, man, glory to God. God just did this. And there's been times I was about, and the Lord checked me and went, Mm-mm, don't tell it. I'm like, God, don't tell it. Well, he knows why. You don't have to say, well, why? I don't know why. What would be wrong with telling this? You don't have to know why. You're not God. You're not nearly as smart as he is. You don't know all he knows. He knows the future. And if he says, don't tell it, then what do you do? Don't tell it. If he says, tell it, then you, even if you don't want to tell it. You tell it. Right. Now go back to Mark. And let's read Mark's account and begin to look at more detail on this. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Do y'all like reading these things as much as I do? Yeah. I tell you, man, I never get tired of this. Never. It's real to me. I've seen it work time and time again. 
Mark chapter 5. Hallelujah. Y'all don't know how good I'm doing. Day ago I couldn't talk. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Mark 5. 22. Behold, there comes one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly. Let's just stop right there. He was ruler of the synagogue. Some say leader of the synagogue. Some say president of the synagogue. He was the overseer or supervisor of all matters in the synagogue. He had a lot of clout, a lot of authority in the synagogue. And notice what he did not do. He did not come tell Jesus who he was and what he ought to do for him. Did he? You know, every one of these healings, if you've been here, you've noticed it. We see humility in people's approach to the Lord. You, you never come to the Lord and tell him what he owes you. Or how you've been such a good Christian. And how he ought to do this or that for you. That's acting like that a your works merit his blessings. And that is absolutely not true. The best we could do is filthy rags, our works of righteousness. But Jesus did it for us. And gave to, bought and gave to us what we couldn't earn. So it's a free gift. And it belongs to us. But it is not owed to us because of our works. Never has been, never will be. I've heard, I've heard people say, well, you know, I just don't understand. So-and-so was a good man. He was a good man, and he didn't get healed. Why? Well, what does him being a good man have to do with him getting healed? Did you hear me? Answer's nothing. Now, see, if that sounds strange to you, then you still got some works mentality. You think, well... Well, they're a good Christian. I mean, why wouldn't the Lord do it for them? He doesn't do anything for anybody based on them earning it by being a good man or good woman. That's why a lot of times you'll see somebody. I worked in healing school at the Hagen ministry for many years. And I saw this. Brother Hagen saw it in his ministry many times. Somebody come in that got saved two weeks ago. Was a drug drug addict and alcoholic and just a... You know, did everything and anybody could imagine doing and come in and fall across the altar and ask God to forgive them and get healed and filled with the Spirit. Amen. And somebody that had been a wonderful sister or brother in the church for 40 years come up and go, I don't understand that now. I've been trying to get God to heal me for 10 years. And I'm at church every time the doors open. And I give and I tithe and I bake pies for the pie sale. And now why won't God heal me? Well, honey... You don't deserve anything because of your pies right. Amen. or because of being in the church seat. Amen. They just came and, 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 and knew that God didn't owe them a thing, but asked him for mercy Amen. and had some faith and believed that they received. Well, if you've been in God for 75 years, you've got to come the same way. Huh? Come by his grace. Amen. Depending on his mercy.
and his goodness and receive in faith. You know, a lot of preachers have gotten in trouble because they think because that they're specially anointed to teach and preach that God's just going to automatically take care of everything for them. Well, no. Preachers are specially anointed to teach and preach the word. They're not specially anointed to live it. Hmm? If a preacher wants something from God, you've got to believe for it just like everybody else. If you don't use your faith, you're not going to receive. If you don't stand and exercise authority and resist the devil, then you're not going to get results. How many of you know that God's no respect of persons where these things are concerned? It, all of us are on the same plane. And it's all by grace through faith. How do you get it? By grace through faith. What about really good Christians? By grace through. How about rank sinners? By grace through. How about people in between? Just average Joes. Grace. Everybody. By grace through faith. Now, go with me back to Second uh, Kings real quickly. Hold your place in Mark 5. Second Kings. First chapter. I want you to notice, we've already talked about what this man did not do. He's the ruler of the synagogue. He's a man of status. He's a man of authority and control in his place. He didn't come and, and tell Jesus what he should do for him because of who he was or what he had done. He said, he fell. On his knees. And, and he, he was on Jesus' feet. Now that's a very humbling position. Isn't it? Yes. And besought him. One writer said prayed him. That's not telling somebody to do something. Is it? No. Praying him. Besought him. W- would you? Please. Now I want you to notice some fellows who didn't understand this in 2 Kings. This is in a day when people didn't respect the things of God, didn't respect the prophets of God and the people of God. One of the kings sent some of his men to get Elijah and bring him to him. And look at verse 9, 2 Kings 1, 9. Then the king sent to him a captain of fifty with his fifty. Fifty soldiers. He went up to him and behold he sat up on top of a hill. And he spoke to him. He said you man of God. The king says come down. I think man of God was a quotation that somebody else had said. So called man of God you might say. Come down. No respect. How many know that the Lord said, if, if you don't receive the one I send, you didn't receive me? Right. He takes delegation very seriously. And uh, Elijah said, well, if I, if I be a man of God, if I'm a real man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and the 50. Fire came down out of heaven and burn them up. Wow. So the king sent another 50. You know, some people are slow. And he said, hey, man of God, king says, now, get down here right now. Come down quick. 
You better get yourself down here. So-called man. Now that's dumb. How many know that? How dumb can you get? Whew. They're still looking for the ashes of the last 50. Said that. Elijah said, well, if I'm a man of God, real man of God, let's let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Gone. Burned up to a crisp and ashes. Crispy critters. And gone. King sent another captain. With a third 50. And his 50. And the third captain of 50 went up. He, he went up the hill. He didn't holler from the bottom. You see a difference already don't you? He climbed the hill. And he came and what? Fell on his knees. Before Elijah. And did what? Besought him. Now this is a completely different thing. Why? Respect, fear, hmm? an acknowledgement of, of who you're messing with. And he said, man of God, I pray you, not I'm telling you what to do. I pray you, let my life and the life of these 50 of your servants be precious in your sight. Because fire came down, burned up the two captains in their 50s. Now, now let our life be precious. So. The rest of the story, the angel of the Lord told him to go. And he did. He went down with him. But I want you to see that because you see the difference in approach, don't you? And you see the difference in results. First two, he didn't even move. They were consumed. Last one, he got up and went with them. Here, this Jairus, ruler of the synagogue, he didn't come and say, Jesus, now look, I don't know if you know me or not. I'm the ruler of the synagogue. Ask the Sanhedrin. I got references right here if you want to see them. And uh, uh, you, you need to come down to my house. Come on, let's go now. Come now. He didn't do that. Came and fell on his face. And his feet worshipped and besought him. No, this, this works all the way across. When you're in faith, you don't put pressure on people. And if you respect God, you respect his representatives and you respect his people. I had a lady one time, bless her heart. She just didn't know some things. But she came up to me after one of the healing services and she had a list. I kid you not. It was rolled up like this. And when she walked up, she, she unrolled it and it hit, it almost hit the floor. A list. She said, now, she said, I've, I've heard from the Lord. And this is what you're going to have to do for me in order for me to be healed. She read off some of the first several of them. I was going to have to fast two or three days a week. I would spend eight or nine hours a day in prayer just for her. And I mean, she had it. I mean, thing after thing after thing. And she wasn't asking me. She's telling me. And of course, I, I did it, you know, because... <laughs> You don't believe that? <laughs> she said, you going to start on this right away? I said, of course not. She said, well, this is what I said. Uh, 
Look at me. I said, no, this is healing school. We've been doing this for years. We've seen a lot of miracles. We've seen God heal a lot of people. How long have you done this? She said, well, I've never done this. I said, if you knew so much, you wouldn't be here asking for help. I said, you need to go sit down and be quiet and listen and pay attention. And when we ask you to read something, read it. Because I was giving them assignments every day. I said, when we ask you to do this and make these confessions, then you do them and you stay hooked. She got mad, stomped off. And that's right, she didn't, she didn't receive. But the same week I had a guy come up. Man, I don't know how many degrees this guy had. And this guy was rich. He came and he said, Brother Keith, he said, I heard what you said at the front. And I'm as green as this as this can be. He said, I am here. He said, you say confess, we're going to confess. He said, you say read, we're going to read. He said, what time does this thing start every day? I told him it was twice a day. I told him to read. He said, I'll do it. Should I do it twice? I said, yeah, it won't hurt. Do it twice. And he said, anything else I should do? I said, that's good for now. We'll see you tomorrow. Two weeks. Two weeks. Man was healed. Sound. Whole. It's not a matter of, uh, you know, making too much out of a man or or flattery or kissing up to somebody, you know, that kind of thing. It's it's a matter of respecting God. And if it, whoever he sends you to, respect what he sends you to. You know, if he sends you uh, to another place or to another ministry, wherever he sends you, there's a reason why he sent you there. Amen. I know uh, in studying for one of my courses at Ramah, I, I had prepared for a month or two and, and I was reading some other people's books. I was trying to be thorough. And I was reading of some conflicting different theories and ideas, you know. And I got to pray and I thought, Lord, I'm not making too good of progress on this. I don't have my... They were letting me write the uh, curriculum. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, there are many good ministries in this world. I could have sent you to any one of them. And there, there are many good ones. I sent you to this one. Because I want you to get what this ministry majors on. He said, you major on this. You get this. And if there's something else, I'll add it to you. Sometimes people don't realize how significant the connections God has placed in their life are. How many know you're not where you are by accident? No, 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 no. And if there's something else that's going to be better for you, then God will lead you into that. He'll show you that at the right time. But in the time being, you get what you're supposed to get where you are. You emphasize that. Amen. Amen. And respect that and you'll get the most out of it. Isn't that what the Lord said? Take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear. For with the measure you meet to it, that's how it will be measured back to you. Let me say it like this. The more respect, the more reverence, the more faith and honor you, you give to what you hear, that's the greater measure of life and anointing and revelation and healing that you'll get out of it. It's amazing. Two people can sit in the same service. One of them leave bored. The other one leave healed. Leave changed. One person go, well, I don't know what they were so excited about. Because they didn't hear it with the same ears. He, he said, he that has ears to hear it, let him hear. Go back to Mark, would you please?
Mark 5. Let's keep reading. Mark 5. He said, come and lay your hands on her. Verse 23. Everybody say, lay your hands on her. That she may be healed. And she what? Shall live. And Jesus said. Now on this occasion, Jairus. It is not God's perfect will for you to be healed. The Lord is, is, I know as painful as it is, he's teaching your family something. Through the loss of your little daughter, I know you, you hurt and don't want to see her go. But I needed another angel. And I loved her so much that I, I had to take her. I couldn't wait. These are all men's ideas. I said, these are all men's unbiblical, unscriptural ideas. Is there ever one time, ever one occasion where Jesus told somebody, no? No. Mm -mm. No, it's not my will to heal you. Eat one. Did he ever tell one, wait, it's not time? Did he ever tell one, no, God's working something out in your life with this? And soon as you learn some things and your piety is developed and holiness develops some more, then you can be. Not one time, not one example of this exists. So people who preach those things preach unscriptural, unbiblical things. Some of them make fun of us because <laughs> we preach healing the way we are. But hey, we got scriptures Amen. right here. Amen. He said, I'll come do it. Yeah. Amen. He said, I will. We've read it in these previous times. I will. I will. I will come. Skip down to verse uh, 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Your daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? This is the evil report. Everybody say the evil report. She's dead. Now that sounds like it's over. Doesn't it? Sounds like there's no hope. Give up. Quit. Everybody say the evil report. Have you ever heard an evil report? Faith comes by hearing. Fear comes by hearing the evil report. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Right? And it's up to you which one you decide to hear and incline your ear to. I don't know how many times people have asked me, Brother Keith, I'm going in for a checkup. Would you agree with me that I'll get a good report? Well, I know what they mean, but really that's misplacing your faith. I mean, they could make a mistake and give you a good report. Hmm? And it reveals a problem that people have more faith in that report than they do the word they've already got. They're hanging in uh, suspense. Oh, we're going to get a good report? Going to get a bad report? I hope it's a good report. Y'all believe with me for a good report. Is that what we're supposed to be believing for? Is a good report. Did the scripture say believe for the doctors to give you back a good report? Now I know people say this a lot. I'm not trying to point anybody. I don't have anybody in mind in particular. 
But I've dealt with this for decades and decades. No, we have the report. Who has believed the report of the Lord? That famous 53rd chapter of Isaiah talks about by his stripes we are. Are. Hey, the tests are are back. The results have come in. And we're healed. Ah, y'all ain't with me enough on this. Let me preach to you a little bit more. I said the tests have already been done. Jesus passed the tests. Huh? We're not waiting on the results. He took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. The results are back. And we got the report. You've already got your report. Now, if you'll hold to that report and if you'll say what he says, what'll happen? He'll do what you say. And sooner or later, one way or the other, those reports will have to agree with his report. But you don't fall out of faith because the natural report disagrees. You go, well, I, I was, I, we prayed and, and it came back and they said it's worse than it was. I, I don't understand. You're coming apart. Your faith is failing. You're fading. You're walking by sight. No. Take 1 Peter 2.24 and lay it on your desk or your counter and look at it and you'll find it reads exactly like it did before you went to the doctor. Hmm? Won't you? It reads exactly the same. As before they drew blood and did any test. We're not against doctors. Thank God for doctors. And don't rebuke and bind them. They're just telling you what they see in the natural. Thank them for their help. Cooperate with them the best you know how. But. I said but. Your faith is not in them. And your faith is not in that report. Your faith is in the one who saved your soul. The one who ever lives to make intercession for you. The one who was tied to the whipping post and scourged and sickness and disease laid on you. Hmm? And with his stripes, we were, we are, I am, you is healed. Got to report right now. We're not believing for the report. We got to report. And all these other things will have to come in line with that. Sooner or later, some way, it'll have to be. There are cases where the doctor's reports never agreed. I know cases where a man, one man got a hole in his heart. Big old hole. And the tests say he can't live. But he's doing just as good as you or me. <laughs> well, they, they say they're never going to give him a report that says he's okay. Their test shows he's got a big old hole in his heart. But he's living just fine without the report. Amen. It's a continuous miracle. God does some things like that as a sign. Amen. So you wouldn't necessarily have to have the report to live a good life. I mean, if you're living good and you're feeling good and everything's cool, what do you care about a piece of paper? Amen. Or the name to a thing? Amen. Huh? Right. People, people get too carried away and too much emphasis on the natural things, walking by sight. Walking by feeling. The evil report came. They said she's dead. 
She's dead. Why trouble the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard it, it's quick, I mean an instantaneous response. Jesus said to this man, he turned around to him, he said, don't be afraid. Why would he say that so strong? Because this can blow the whole thing out of the water right now. Hmm? If he gets into fear and he gets to despairing that it's all done and it's useless and it's hopeless now, could Jesus just go on and minister to her anyway? Hmm? If he could, why would he, why would he be so quick to turn around and say, now don't get into fear. Jairus, put your eyes right here. Look at me. Look at me. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Don't do something else than what you started. You told me when you walked up that I'd come lay my hands on your little girl and she would live. Now that's what you told me. Stay right there. Stay right here. Don't listen to this. Don't get your eyes on this. Don't be afraid. Only believe. This is where battles are lost and won. In the middle of the night, you get alarming symptoms. I mean, your heart's doing crazy things. and You're feeling funny. Well, the first thing that tries to happen is fear tries to jump in the middle of your chest. And go, man, you're having a massive heart attack. You're leaving this place. And if you say, oh, my God, I'm having a heart attack. Oh, am I dying? That's a good way to die right there. Get in fear. You'll be gone. Don't be afraid. What? Hear the words of Jesus. Only. What else do you do? Nothing else. Only. Believe. Don't be afraid. Only believe. You know, the devil's always that way. He's done it to me. I don't know how many times. Something, you have a symptom or something. You go, Mark, what is that? And you go, aneurysm. She's about to blow, man. You're leaving here. You go, no, no. It's not an aneurysm. He goes down the list one. Brain tumor. It's a massive brain. You've been growing in there for years. Brain, you're about to go. No, it's not a brain tumor. Migraine. Huh? How many know what I'm talking about? Why does he do that? He's trying to find something you will fear. Fear is perverted faith. Fear is you believing in something's power to hurt you. You believing in something's ability to take you out. And as you get strong, you can have pain and alarming symptoms and not know what they are. And lay there and laugh and go, I ain't leaving here. I ain't through. No, besides that, I don't have to leave here like this. I don't have to leave with one of your stinking diseases and problems. I'll leave when God and I get good and ready for me to leave. Hmm? He said, well, long life I'll satisfy. Show you my salvation. Satisfied. Long life. Don't be afraid, he said. Don't be afraid. Do what? Everybody say it out loud. Read it out loud. Get it in your spirit. What did he say? These are the words of Jesus. Would he say the same thing to you in the middle of the night? What did he say? Be not afraid. Don't be afraid. Now see, man, he jumped on that hard first. Why? Because fear was right there. He was looking at the eyes of these people from his house. He knows they're not lying to him. He knows they saw her turn pale and cold and blue. He knows they wouldn't come and tell him this unless they were sure of it. He knows that. 
And this grips his heart. This grips his soul. And he's thinking. And before he could say anything, Jesus said, Jairus, don't do it. Don't you yield to that. Don't you be afraid. You stay with me right here, right here. You told me what's going to happen. Now stay with that and that only. Only believe. You came to me because you had faith. You've been in faith all this way. Now don't quit me now. Don't quit me now. Don't be afraid. Everybody said out loud, don't be afraid. Can you do both? Can you yield to the fear and stay in faith? No, you can't. It's a choice. I said it's a choice. Same things in finances. You lost your job. The deal fell through. Debt's been called. What are you going to do? Fear will come and jump on you and go, what are you going to do? You're going to lose it all. You're going to lose everything. And if you go, what am I going to do? I'm going to lose it all. Well, not, you're not saying the same thing the Lord said. You're saying the same thing the enemy's saying. Right. And if you say what the devil said, he will do what you say. Right. you get this? What the Lord say? He always causes me to triumph. Amen? He gives me the victory all the time. Every time through my Lord Jesus Christ. Don't fear. Fear not. Only believe. Don't be afraid. Only believe. I don't care what you feel. I don't care if you can't half breathe. I don't care what's going on. I didn't say it's always easy, but this is how to live and not die. My own dad suffered a massive heart attack a few years ago. And he's, he wasn't that old. Just in his 60s. How many know that's not old? That's just halfway to 120. Halfway. And he said, man, he said, he's seeing the great light. He's leaving his body. He knows he's saved. But he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, is it time for me to go? And the Lord said, no. (laughs) But see, he could have gone. So he started fighting. Everybody say fighting. Fighting. Started fighting. Said, I'm going to live and not die. Now see, if if he'd just let it go, he'd have gone on. But he's alive and kicking today. Talk to him on the phone. Rides his motorcycle every day. (laughs) He's up here seeing us not long ago. He's telling me the other day, he said, I'm so glad I didn't die. That was a few years before the church was started and all that. He was looking at this place and looking at all y'all's faces one Sunday morning. He said, I'm so glad I didn't die and miss this. But you can't fear. You may feel afraid. You may have goosebumps. Your knees may be bumping together. Your hair may be standing up on the back. You, You may feel terrified. That doesn't mean you have to yield to fear. Through those feelings of fear, the devil will say, what do you mean you're not going to be afraid? Look at you. Your knees are bumping together. You're a basket. Say, shut up. Shut up. I'm not moved by what I feel. I refuse to fear. And they start saying the word. No, no. I will live and not die. No. Don't care what they said. He said, don't you be afraid. You just keep on believing. And so Jairus said, are you with me? Jairus said what? Hmm? Keep his mouth shut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you do when you feel terrified? Hmm? You don't know what to say. Stay with Jesus, but don't talk doubt and unbelief. I don't care what it looks like. Don't talk doubt and unbelief. Keep your mouth. You have to bite your lip. Keep your mouth shut. 
Well, it looks bad. It looks like there ain't no hope. Just keep your mouth shut. Jesus said, stay with me. Mm-hmm. He's walking on toward the house. Okay. He's just following. And he uh, comes to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and he saw the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. That we, they, they were howling. There was noise. And when he was come in, he said to them, Why make you this ado and weep? The damsel's not dead, but sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn. They ridiculed him. They derided him. Now he's not saying that her soul was asleep. There's no such thing as soul sleep. Body sleep. The body's asleep. How many know it's going to wake up? At the trump. The bodies are going to come up. But no, people say, well, so-and-so, you know, all those people out there in the cemetery. No, those people are not out there. They're long gone. They left when their body died. They, they're long gone. Either up or down. Their bodies are asleep. They're not there. Their bodies are asleep. And uh, they laughed him to scorn. When he had put them all out. Friends, the rougher it gets. And the more serious it gets. The more selective you need to be about your company. Did you get this? The rougher it gets and the more serious it gets. Now, I, I know this can be uncomfortable. And I've made mistakes in this area myself. But I've learned over the years that there are times when it's so serious, you, you, you can't be thinking about, well, maybe they're going to get their feelings hurt if I don't let them be involved and if I don't let them come in. Yeah, but it can be a matter of life and death. And the rougher it gets and the more serious it gets, the more selective you should be about who you talk to about this and about who you go around and who you allow to be around you. Because environment makes a difference. And people in a place affect the environment of that place. Don't you think they don't? If they don't, if it doesn't make any difference who's here, if God can just move and things can happen no matter who's here or what they believe, why didn't Jesus just walk in the middle of that howling, screaming bunch and ignore them and get the job done? Why did he find it necessary? He who's anointed with the Spirit without measure find it necessary to get all these people out of here. This is not the only instance of this. There are times when people were sick and he'd take them by the hand and lead them away from the crowd. Lead them out of town. Remember that? Take them out of the whole town and minister to them. Why? Because the whole town was full of unbelief. People that's laughing and making fun of the things of God. People scoffing and making little snide and sneering remarks about healing and about miracles. You do not want them around you when you're endeavoring to believe for your life. I don't care if they are relatives. I don't care if they are friends. If they don't understand enough, it's not time for you to teach them. You're fighting for your life. Hmm? You can teach them another time. Right now the business is you living so you can teach somebody else. Or whoever it is. Your wife, your husband, whoever it is. I know a, an uncle of mine that I love dearly, had cancer in the last stages, 
And I had already ministered to one of my uncles a similar case. He had cancer of the lungs and we ministered to him. And he came back from death and was healed and went back to his job and worked and lived for years. I mean, they said it was hopeless. I remember the day when it broke. We'd been talking to him about the word and he, got, he, he was virtually bedfast, just skin and bone, cancer of the lungs, terrible. Doctors thought he'd have been dead a week ago. And he came and walked by the door facing. They were amazed to see him out of bed. He was at home. And he held on to the door facing and he looked at me. He said, Keith, I'm living. I'm living and not going to die. Man, I shouted because I knew in my spirit he wasn't just talking words. I knew he believed it in his spirit. Some of his relatives in the room started crying. Oh, it's affected his mind. He's... He don't know what he's saying. If it was my house, would have begun to clear some folks out. Wasn't my house. I didn't have authority there like that. Unless they had given it to me and they hadn't. Now see, Jesus could clear this man's house because Jairus was backing him. Hmm? Do you know what would have happened if ain't you know, Mildred and, and Uncle Bob and, and Reverend Jones have said, Now, Jairus, you're not going to let him put us out of here like this, are you? And, and he'd have said, Well, well, now, no, Jesus, you can't. You, these are good people. You can't put. You know what would have happened? Jesus would have left. But he had Jairus back in. Jairus is one that asked him to come. Jairus is the one that's still tagging along behind him when he says, Don't be afraid. And when Jesus says, everybody clear out, and they look at Jairus, he goes. You understand what I'm talking about? He has his backing. You can only do what people let you do in their life. In a congregation, in a church, the ministers can only do what the people let them do. Think about that. With the faith, with the belief. Fear will shut you down. Faith will open the door and allow more to happen. This other uncle, I was primed. It only happened a year or so later. And I thought, well, we've already seen this. Glory to God, we're going to see another healing here. Other side of the family. I sent tapes, same thing I did with this uncle. I went and visited when I could. It was several states away. And while I was sitting with him, he talked pretty good. And I thought, well, okay, maybe he's getting this. He got worse. He got worse. He got worse. They called and said he died. Aggravated me. I'm a fighter. I don't like to lose. How about you? I ain't in this to lose. And in God you don't have to lose. But I have enough sense to know God didn't fail me. I knew that. And I had enough sense to know. To not start saying well you know maybe it was the will of God. For some reason that we just don't understand. No I knew better than that. Problems on the receiving end. I didn't know what. But at the funeral. Or, or before the funeral. We were there. And some of his relatives were talking to me. Thank you for coming and visiting. And, and uh, you know trying to help. Well I wasn't trying to help. I was trying to let's live and not die. Yeah. And then they went on to tell me. Didn't know what they were telling me. But as soon as I'd leave. Other people would come in and ask him. What kind of casket would you like to be buried in? And he'd tell them. What kind of songs do you want sung, honey, at your funeral? 
You say, what's wrong with that? Everything. Everything. That's not believing to live. That's planning on dying. Did you hear me? He was talking one thing with me. But then when somebody else came in, he just talked with them too. Does it make any difference who you're around? Your environment. It made a difference to Jesus. He didn't try to finish this with these people in the house. And if anybody could have done it in spite of their unbelief, he should have been able to wade through there and do it. But he didn't. And if he didn't, we can't. Right? I mean, he ran them all out. He said, clear this place. Why? Because they're unbelief. They're, they're laughing at what he said. They're making fun. They're, when they're not mourning and crying and sorrow, they're laughing and ridiculing and making fun. That's gross unbelief. He got them all out. And he took the father and mother. And you know he took the three. Peter, James, and John. Why didn't he take the rest of the twelve? Hmm? He loved them. Hmm? But friends, when, when the jig is up, it's not time for people that are wondering and wavering. It's time for people that you know are at least as full of faith as you are and, and preferably better. Huh? Time for people around you, you know, you're sure they're persuaded it's God's will to do this at least as much as you, preferably more. Hmm? Somebody on the fence, you ain't got time for that. You don't have to be rude and ugly. You can just say, well, y'all please leave. We have some things we must do. Yeah, well, I want to. No, no, it's not an option. I'm asking you to leave. You can smooth feathers later. At least somebody will be here to smooth feathers. Are you with me? Jesus wasn't mean. He just knows what it takes to get the job done. And he walked in there with mama and with daddy and his three sidekicks. These are the three that prayed with him a little further out in the garden. You remember that? These are the three that were up on the Mount of Transfiguration. You remember that? He knows where these three are. They're not wondering and a wavering and a doubting and a snoozing in the background. He knows they're right there with their faith. Right there. Come on, Jesus. Come on. We're going to see this. This is going to happen. They're right there. Expecting with every fiber of their being. Mom and Daddy may not know exactly what, but they've had enough faith to make it this far. And that's enough to let Jesus in. And he reaches down and he does what Jairus asked him to do. He took her hand, which is a form of laying on of hands. Took her hand. And he held her hand and he spoke to her. Cold dead body. Talitha, Kuma, which is being interpreted damsel. Little girl, we know she was 12 years old. I say to you, arise, get up. Oh, friend, can you see it in your mind's eye? She's laying there cold, stiff, blue, dead. Her spirit comes back from Abraham's bosom. Whoo! Comes back into her body. She goes, <gasps> starts breathing again. He says, go ahead and get up now. Get up. She gets up. She's raised from the dead. This is miraculous, friends, because decomposition has already begun to occur in the body. God's miracle working power reversed all that. Amen. Thank you, Lord. 
And that's not all. Her disease was bad enough it killed her. If it hadn't been healed, she'd have died again. Immediately. So she's healed. Raised from the dead. Corruption reversed. Disease healed. Standing there. Going, Mama? Daddy? Where have I been? He says, you need to give her something to eat. Now here we see the natural and the supernatural. Hmm? Her systems have been shut down. Not functioning. They need to be kick-started. Let's get some of Mama's uh, dumplings in there. Huh? Some of Daddy's barbecue. Jumpstart this thing. There's a natural side and there's a spiritual side. It's not either or, it's both. God will give us direction on both. Can you say amen? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.